You're listening to the Sunday Schmooze with the Rabbi and the CEO, brought to you by Morse Life Health System, the gold standard in senior living. With your host, Rabbi Dolvid Vigler of Chabad of Palm Beach Gardens and CEO Mitch Zachary of Zachary Financial Consultants. Join the show through email by emailing rabbi at jewishgardens.com. Watch the show on Facebook Live, facebook.com slash gardensrabbi. Now your host, Rabbi Dolvid Vigler and CEO Mitch Zachary. Separating the facts from the fiction and the Bubba Mises from the bottom line, you're listening to the Sunday Schmooze with the rabbi and the CEO. Filling in for Mitch Zachary, the CEO today is our producer, Steve Lappa of Lapcom Communications. Good morning, Steve. How you doing? Good morning, Rabbi. Big, big shoes here I'm trying to fill. Very big shoes. I hope Mitch is listening somewhere. I'm sure he's going to start laughing very soon. Well, Steve, you are a CEO in your own right, so uh, no place for false humility over here. It is the Rabbi and the CEO. I'm Rabbi David Vigler of Chabad of Palm Beach Gardens, where you will find traditional Jewish values for contemporary Jews just like you. Learn about us online at www.jewishgardens.com. That's jewishgardens.com I'm here with Steve Lapa, CEO of Lapcom Communications and together we're the rabbi and the CEO taking on the Jewish views on the news. You know Steve today I'd like to talk to you about something which I think many of us struggle with and that is the very common human emotion of fear of being afraid We like to say that only kids are afraid and it's not masculine, it's not not manly to be afraid. But as a rabbi, I can tell you, I hear from a lot of people that we're all human and deep down, we all hurt. How do you feel about this from your perspective? I think at some point in every person's life, you experience fear. The motivation for it could be very different from person to person, but I think we've all experienced that at various stages in our life. You know, even animals experience fear. You could see a dog shake. You could see one animal run from another. It's a very common thread amongst beings that is very noticeable, and I've often wondered why we have that emotion. What What is it about fear that is so universal. You know, fear is something which you actually sense when, you know, the hair bristles on the back of your neck and you feel the blood draining from your face. You know, when you hear that really bad news, God forbid, from, uh, from the police or from the doctor or, you know, when uh, some sort of a financial message comes through, which is really really, really upsetting. You could become fearful, but from a Torah perspective, from a Jewish perspective, fear is actually nothing more than the absence of faith. Where there is faith, there is no fear. And where there is fear, there is no faith. The degree of fear depends on how much faith you have and you can balance them somewhat a little faith a lot of fear but imagine if there was a way to be able to not just face your fears we've heard a lot about facing your fears imagine
imagine if there was a way to actually neutralize your fears, to actually handle and process your fears in a way that's manageable. Wouldn't that be exciting? And, and what's interesting is that most fear starts oftentimes with some form of shock. It's unexpected, right? Because the brain just immediately surges to a, a zone that totally takes over. You almost feel like, am I afraid? Am I desperate? Am I alone? What am I, what am I gonna do? And you're almost in, in a moment gone from being totally in control to totally out of control not knowing what to do, being totally dependent on your emotions. And whether you feel adrenaline or whatever it is that you might be experiencing, you just know that you felt something where all of the air is out of your body and am I desperate? Am I out of control? Is there no hope? And the, the spectrum that one experiences in that one moment and we've all been there, I think, at one point or another in our lives, is incredible. It's unbelievable how quickly you move from being totally in control to reaching and thinking to yourself, what am I gonna do next? This is really, wow. It's that expression, you know, when something falls upon you like a ton of bricks. Right. You go from stability, tranquility, peace, to a state of total chaos. And it's this uh, adrenaline surge or something within the body that causes us to go into this fight or flight mode. And I liked how you used those words where you said there was no hope. You feel where everything around you just suddenly becomes dark. And you don't see any prospect of salvation. You become desperate. And we do things that are out of character things that we typically regret. We actually say things that we typically regret, which is why I always tell people that when you're, when, you're, when you're feeling emotionally unstable, the best thing you should do is keep your mouth shut. <laughs> because if whatever you don't say, I'm sorry, whatever you would say at a time of being emotionally unstable is probably going to come back and hurt you and haunt you. So, so this fear is is a is a dark space it's a place where you don't see the light where you don't feel any prospect of salvation you just feel boxed in you feel locked you feel all alone and isolated you don't know the way out and the torah actually gives us tools very powerful tools with how to deal with our with our fear and how to break out of that dark space which uh, we've all faced. I know you faced uh, in your own personal life uh, moments of fear. I know that I've faced moments of fear. And I use this in a very practical level. The, the, the story I'm about to share with you actually is something which I think about often. Whenever I am in a situation which puts me into that fight or flight mode, you know, that fearful state of being, how do you react to your fear? I've, when I've been totally disarmed and, and paralyzed in fear, it usually involves something medical in, one, in, in somebody in our family. God and forbid. I, right? And I remember when I went through that with one of our children, and um, 
uh, one of them went through a, a pretty serious operation, and the surgeon was a little bit later than he told me he would show up. And boy, your mind just races to corners where you you just it's just awful. What's happening? What's going on? I can't go in there. Uh, is is my child okay? Is my child not okay? And I can honestly say that there are times when you you sense that fear, and and I often credit the way that I was raised, and you just pray. You just reach. Interesting. For so you pray yeah. when you're afraid. I do. In other words, prayer, which is faith, is is your solution to fear. And how did that make you feel? It it takes away the utter desperation. And I can't tell you how many times. I think in my life, whether it's been in business or if it's been for other reasons, where you feel isolated and you feel alone and you hit a wall and you just don't know what to reach for and there is no TV show lifeline that you can dial, (laughs) right? You just can't, there's no magic answer. So you reach within yourself and I often wonder. Is it reaching within yourself or reaching out to God? Both. It has to start somewhere, right? You have to have that mechanism inside of you. But I, I often wonder, what if somebody wasn't raised that way? What if somebody was totally void? Where do you start the process? How do you begin when you have that feeling? Where do you start? Well, maybe this the story that the Torah shares with us just recently in the Torah portion might be able to give us some, some guidance, a bit of uh, an image a metaphor, a meditation that we can take with us today to be able to handle and process our fear in a way which is healthy and healing. You see, the story happened 3,300 years ago when the Jewish people were coming out of Egypt on their way to the Promised Land. And you know, they were in the desert for 40 years. They uh, had various reasons to complain. And at one point, they rebelled against Moses. When they did rebel against Moses, God sends them a plague of snakes. And these snakes attack them. You can just imagine, you know, you're in this desert and the snakes, uh, a plague of snakes comes and attacks the Jewish people. Many of them get bitten. And they're terrified. Terrified to the point where they got the message. And they realized that they had been rebellious. They regret their rebellion. And they verbalize their regret. Moses they said look we're really sorry we made a mistake we're, we're, we're hurting terribly from the snake bite what can we do and it was at this point that God tells Moses to form a snake upon a pole you know we've all seen the image on the ambulances of the snake up on a stick I think they call it caduceus is some sort of a symbol of uh, healing but it originated in the Torah where Moses forms a snake on a copper snake on a pole by the command of God, and he holds it up into the sky, and here they are, they're looking up at the snake, and the Torah tells us, whoever looks up at the snake and was formerly bitten would now be healed. And whoever didn't look up at the snake was not healed. Ultimately, every one of the stricken Israelites in the desert were healed when they looked up at the snake, which was fashioned by Moses, the copper snake, I want you to picture the scene a moment. Here you are, you're, you're suffering from the snake bite. It probably hurts terribly. 
And what, what they need to do, what Moses is asking them to do, is simply to look up at the snake, the very cause of their angst, the very cause of their distress. And by looking up at the snake somehow, they're going to be healed. What's the message here? What's the story? How do you understand this? It's, um, it's almost as if the, the real messaging here is to look beyond, to look up, to get out of your own way, to, I think, seek something higher. You know, uh, one of the greatest philosophers of this 20th century was a British-Austrian philosopher. His name was Ludwig, Ludwig Wittgenstein. He was born in 1889 and he passed in 1951. And Ludwig Wittgenstein said that the ultimate purpose of his entire philosophy was to teach the fly the way out of the bottle. You see, he described a fly in a glass bottle which sees through the glass, the transparent glass, and he sees what is freedom, but he can't get through, so he knocks himself out over and over and over and over as the fly beats himself against the glass until eventually he becomes exhausted, depleted of all energy, falls down to the bottom of the bottle, and he dies. But if the fly would only look up, said Ludwig, if he could only see the opening to the bottle on top above his head, he'd be able to find the way out of his troubles. And that, said Ludwig Wittgenstein, is the purpose of his philosophy, is to teach the fly the way out of the bottle by looking up. And that's exactly what Moses was doing to the Jewish people when they were stricken by the snakes in the desert. Here they were, they were looking at the snake as their nemesis. They were looking at the snake as the cause of their problem. But his remedy was to have them look up at the snake. By looking up at the snake, they would see not just a snake above them, they would see the beautiful blue sky framing the fearful snake on the stick. They would realize that the snake wasn't just something that happened to them. It was something that was sent to them. It wasn't a random occurrence. It was a deliberate em emissary, a messenger, sent by God Almighty in order to fulfill a specific mission. And the moment they were able to look up at the sky, to raise their eyes, to lift up their horizons, to see beyond what meets the human eye. They were able to recognize the bigger picture, to see the context, to see how God had prepared this snake for them to serve as a lesson. It was this framing of the suffering. It was this bigger picture that was able to lead them to their salvation, to lead them to their healing by simply replacing their fear with the faith in God Almighty, in the Almighty Creator of the universe, who set up this particular circumstance for your benefit, for their benefit. You see, we don't always understand in the spur of the moment why bad things happen. We can't always appreciate why God sends us certain snakes in our lives. And when I say snakes, I mean problems, bad things. 
You know, when you think about health problems, car accidents, car repairs, HOA assessments, um, you know, uh, all sorts of problems. Maybe there's a difficult person in your life, a competitor, somebody who's just trying to take business away from you and he's your snake. Whatever your political opponent or something, we all have snakes sent our way. And in the spur of the moment, we look at the snake on eye level and we say, there's me and there's a snake and only one of us is going to win this. And that's a very fearful moment because I'm alone. I'm isolated. It's just me and the snake, me and the problem. One of us is going to get the better than the other and we're afraid. But the moment you can look up at your snake, like Moses did for the Jewish people in the desert, the moment you can see not just the snake but the great vast heaven behind the snake, you can realize that this snake was heaven sent. This problem was sent to me in order to bring out something good in me, a greater good, a deeper purpose. With that perspective of faith, with that unshakable foundation of faith, the fear dissipates just like darkness dissipates in the presence of light because you know that you're not alone. You know that God Almighty, the creator of the universe, who cares for me and loves me and will never abandon me, has set me up in this particular challenge for the greater good. It's the image of looking up at your snake that helps you not just face your fear, it actually helps you neutralize your fear when you're able to see your fear in the context of faith. And that's the message that Moses is teaching us when he takes the very Israelites who were, who were bitten by snakes and he heals them through showing them a snake. All he's doing for them is opening up their horizons. He's saying, folks, you know, we're not just animals. Animals are created from, differently from humans in a very simple perspective. You know, what's the difference between an animal and a human, typically, is that animals are are horizontal and human beings are vertical we walk on two feet they typically walk on four for an animal you know for a cow to look up at the sky pretty break its neck if it had to look up at the sky it looks at the grass that's what it's good for you know its head is a little lower than its uh, shoulders and it's able to look down at the grass that's what it sees it eats the grass that's all it needs to see but a human being is made up of a body and soul a human being is able to overcome his fear through the introduction of faith and that's why God created us a vertical. So it's easy for us to look up at the sky, to look up at the heaven, and to realize the presence of God in all of the things that happen to us, in the good, in the bad, and even in the ugly, when we can recognize that we're not just alone. We're not all by ourselves. We're not isolated. We're not a deer in the headlights. We're on stage. God set this up. He wants this for our good. He wants us to bring out the best in us. It's with that context of seeing the snake in the backdrop of heaven that we're able to introduce faith, belief in God, recognizing a higher power, realizing that we're not alone, and that's what neutralizes our fears. Where, where do we start? Such a lofty concept, but what's the start point? Where do we begin? You know, Steve, I think that what needs to happen is an attitude of humility. As long as we're coming in with an attitude of arrogance and ego that I've got this, I've got this under my, my, my control, I'm in charge, I can handle anything, you, you're coming in with an attitude of isolationism, it's just me and I'm all by myself. 
But when you're able to adopt an attitude of humility, you're able to recognize a higher power. You're able to invite the presence of God into your life. Incidentally, this is the reason that we wear a yarmulke. The yarmulke which sits not in our head but on top of our head represents that which is higher than our understanding, higher than logic. Even when I don't understand, there's a God, there's a faith that's higher than, than what makes sense to me. That's the philosophy of the yarmulke. When we can adopt an attitude of humility, we're able to acquire the tools to neutralize our faith through the infusion of fear. Sorry, to neutralize our fear through the infusion of faith into the context, into the bigger picture. And that's why I think that I'd like to share with our listeners today an invitation to find a space, to find a sanctuary where you have no distractions, where you're able to focus, where you're able to face your heaven, not just your snake. You never want to face your snake. What a terrifying image. You want to be able to face your heaven. You want to be able to stand before God in a comfortable space, in a place where you're safe. That's why we call it a sanctuary. And for this reason, I'd like to invite you to join us in our sanctuary at the Chabad of Palm Beach Gardens. Every Shabbat morning, we have a beautiful service where people from all walks of life and all directions come together to be able to celebrate Shabbat, to celebrate faith together, to stand together as one, as Jewish people. You know, some are doctors and lawyers and builders and professionals and retirees and young and old and men and women, and, and some believe a little more and some believe a little less. But what brings us all together is one common commitment to our Jewish faith. By merely coming to the service at the Chabad of Palm Beach Gardens on a Shabbos morning, you're surrounding yourself with a society of people, a culture of believers, of people who allow that heaven to frame their copper snakes. And with that attitude, coming to show just once a week gives you the tools to be able to neutralize all of the obstacles, all of the snakes that come your way in the week that follows. Is that practical enough? Very practical. And for thank you, Steve, and for this reason, I'd like to invite you to make heaven a real part of your life. By joining us here at the Chabad of Palm Beach Gardens, you can experience a small piece of heaven, a small piece of faith on a regular basis. Even if you can't make it every week, come once a month, make yourself a space, a sanctuary, where you can connect to something higher, something which is higher than your problems, to be able to replace that fear with the power of your faith. We uh, meet every Shabbat at the Chabad of Palm Beach Gardens. It's at the corner of PGA Boulevard and uh, the Florida Turnpike. It's inside the, lo- the LA-, LA Fitness Plaza. And we start the service at 9.30, but feel free to come whenever you want. Come at 10.30, come at 11.30. There's a beautiful community luncheon to follow. And it's this culture of the prayer service is the culture of the of the society of people that are believers that will be able to help you find the tools to overcome your fears to neutralize your snakes just like Moses was able to successfully heal the snake bitten Jews in the desert in Egypt coming out of Egypt we'll be right back with uh, more thought provoking meditations 
on uh, how you can make your life richer, more meaningful, and more powerful with uh, some more meditations from the Torah portion coming up right after this. Don't go away.